Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here with all of you. Welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. My name is Deanna Singh, and I am the Chief Change Agent for Uplifting Impact. And hello, everyone out there. I am Justin Ponder, the Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact. And we're excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. As you all know, Justin and I are married and we have been best friends since we were 10 years old. So we spent a lot of time together. And one of the really fun things that Justin does and bring you into some of the background information, I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but just, just so you know, one of my favorite things that Justin does is he has what I like to call mornings with Justin. <laughs> <laughs> And it'll be like, I'll wake up and all of a sudden it's like I'm on a television program. Like you think this podcast is something like this is my real life every single day. And so the reason why I love it so much is because it's always so fascinating. It's always about like, I'm still trying to like open my eyes, remember what day And I'm saying, here's everything I was thinking about all night long, all in five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have like an announcer microphone, but maybe we should get you one. I don't know, but it's awesome. And he tells me like what he's been reading or it's like something he's seen or maybe, you know, something that he learned from somebody else. And I just love it. It's a beautiful way to wake up in the morning because it gets my brain going right away. (laughs) I mean, if you want to, you know, really, really get like a morning routine, getting that brain to go mornings with Justin Ponder is pretty awesome. But I want to bring you into a morning with Justin Ponder that we had recently because it's something that's kind of, I would say, like lingered a little bit, right? Like we've talked about it multiple times. And it was really just this observation, something that you had heard about when you were talking about the idea of rest and how we do it. And maybe more importantly, how we don't do it. Yeah. And the reason why I think this has come up so often is one, it's fascinating. So I'm excited for everybody to hear what you've been learning and what we've been talking about. But also because it seems like we're in a season right now. We've been writing a lot about DEI fatigue. You know, every day I feel like I'm having conversations with people who are in this work who are just like, you know, tired. Yeah. And when I heard this, I was like, oh, this is such a refreshing way for us to think about what this moment is. Okay. I've talked too much, Justin. <laughs> Turning the mic over to you. Mornings, afternoons, whenever you're listening to this, friends, with Justin Ponder. Well, I think part of the context is where we're at. We're experiencing winter. And that means a few things. One, it's cold. So you don't want to go outside. I have 25 layers on right now. (laughs) And like our kids are home. It was a snow day. So there's all the snow. And then there's all this incentive to stay inside and rest. And I think the biggest thing that's impacted me, like you can put on more clothing to stay warm. You can stay inside to get away from the snow. But the darkness, Mm. like where we're at, at the peak. It is sunset at like 4.30. That gets to be really rough. And for years and years, I would get tired and be like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep and feel bad about it because there's so many terribly important things to do. And I would feel a certain amount of guilt about being tired. And oh, I should be more energized. I should be doing more things. And to a certain extent, I've come to a stage in my life where I've realized that darkness earlier being a gift. Mm as being like the seasons rolling over and it's the sun sleeping more to remind us to do the same, to rest more. And, you know, we're in the cusp of the beginning of 2024. So a lot of people talking about their New Year's resolutions. And I've been impressed by how much the New Year's resolutions are always about the new thing I will do. 
And quite often it's, I'm already frazzled. I'm already stressed out. I'm already overtired. But in 2024, I'm going to add more things to my plate. And I don't know how people go through that without being fatigued. That sounds very tiring. And one thing that I don't recognize is, or see as often the things that people are going to do to create rest. Hmm. And even when people talk about self-care, they're like, I'm going to sign up for these other things. I'm going to add more to my schedule. I'm going to purchase more products. I'm going to do more to care for myself as opposed to also caring for myself by taking things away, by leaving more time for nothingness and emptiness. And I don't judge it. I what see would it. be the ad for that? I know. And that's less. That's part of the difficulty. It's like, how would you yeah. advertise the stillness, the silence, the absence? But if folks are anything like me, I have my best ideas when I break. Yeah. And when I am hammering away at a problem, thinking and thinking and thinking about it, working on it so hard. But when I step away from it, not step away from it, like, oh, I'm going to take a walk and continue to think about that problem. Or I'm going to do this other thing, but I'm going to continue on it. No, when I say I will do nothing. Once I get past the guilt and shame of doing nothing, when there's so many things to do, that's actually when the best things come to me. <laughs> so I'm reporting live from the bus you threw me under. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm telling <laughs> that story. What was your thinking about that and how it relates to this podcast topic? Like you mentioned about Sure. Versus equity and inclusion fatigue. Like, what are you hearing about what that means? And then why were you, why did you ask me about rest and clearing things out? I think one of the things that was really resonated with me is you, you talked a lot about a story that you had heard, right? And really about monks. And, you know, oh. as you were kind of explaining that story to me, you were talking about how, and I don't want to get the monastery wrong. So I'm not even going to try. It was Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village monastery. And they were talking about like in Vietnam, the Buddhist tradition was uh, Buddhist, obvious monks would take a vow of poverty. They wouldn't live anywhere. They would be in the jungles. They would go from place to place, either teaching or reciting sutras at funerals and things, but it became difficult during the rainy season because the rains would be so dangerous or they'd be sleeping outside and the rains would be so heavy, they would get sick. Or the rains would cause flooding, which would cause amphibious creatures and insects and worms to be in places that they would normally be walking. And the Buddhist monks were like, right. we don't want to cause harm to ourselves by being sick or harms to animals by stepping on them. So they started to budget their time, energy, resources, food for the rainy season where they would do nothing. And it's called like the rain ceremony and the rain rituals where they're like, oh, during this time, even if you are normally going out and traveling to different places and providing this really great, fantastic and impactful and important to you service to other people, there is time built throughout the year where there's a rainy season yep. where you should rest for the good of others and for the good of yourself. That really resonated with me because I tend to schedule arbitrarily in 24 hour day periods. <laughs> Or seven-day week periods, or 28 to 31-day periods of months. We don't think about a whole year with differences in seasons. Like every day at 8 a.m. I do this thing. Every Monday I do this thing. Every first Monday of the month I do this thing. But we don't think about, oh, I do this for 10 months, and then there's two, three months there where I do nothing. Now, I don't know that any of us have the luxury of like doing nothing, yeah. <laughs> right? And I, and I think- I don't know how many monks are out there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, of course, we do need to make sure that we have those times. But I do think that there's something about that idea of thinking about this as a gift, as a season, 
knowing that there's so many things right now that are really challenging and there's a lot of rain out there, right? And it's, yeah. it's really kind of a tough period as we're trying to navigate all of the geopolitical things that are happening and resources changing and all of that, that really part of the fatigue is because we aren't understanding that this is also a different moment. Yeah. And so I think what it connected for me or kind of how I saw that playing out and some of the conversations that we're having is that sometimes we're fighting against ourselves. Sometimes we're fighting against what we have as a preconceived notion. But when we really like peel back where that notion came from, we've generated it. And so how do we in this moment think about, yeah, this is a season for us not to stop the work that we're doing. I'm not advocating don't do nothing. That's not it. I mean, yes, sometimes please don't do nothing, right? I think now, though, it is a season to say, what can I do? What do I need to shore up on? What are some of the things that could really help when I come out of the season? Because that's the reality, too. These are seasons. We have lived through so many different seasons. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have more seasons that are kind of come from us. I know it's easy to look back and be like, oh, that was a tough season. Right? I know it's easy to kind of look forward and be like, yeah, that season is going to be so exciting. But sometimes when we're in the season, at least for me, it's hard to name it. Yeah. Right. So when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of a rainy season for us. Right. This is a season where we need to maybe take a little bit of rest more than what we're used to. But also some time for us to shore up because it's not like they right. weren't doing anything. Yeah. And right? I think that's really important, too. It's like you're actually shoring up your internal resources, your strength. You're clarifying your own mission, your own vision, your own values you're getting back in touch with yourself and also i think you're within the rest within the monastery or within your small circle like us now on a snow day it's us and our kids in our house is you're refining your relationships yes because without the seasons of imposed rest i relate mostly to my plans <laughs> wait <laughs> Say that one more time, because I think that's going to strike a curve. It struck a nerve with no, me. No, not like, with them, because all these people here are better than me. Oh, yeah, but my perfect. problem is I get really enamored with my plans, and yeah. I relate with my plans, because plans are cool. They fit into an Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. They fit into a spreadsheet, and they have really beautifully coordinated timelines. And they're color-coded, and everybody I can share with everybody else. And, and they're so easy, and they're so beautiful, and they're so perfect, because there's no people in them. <laughs> And people are complicated and people are messy and people are unpredictable, but they are what infuse our strategies with life. So as we're talking to a lot of people, I hear a lot of folks in this work who really value it expressing frustration. They're not able to make the visible, obvious, outward, yeah, organizational movement that they're used to. And oftentimes they'll say, I'm not able to do anything. This project got a yellow light. It's probably getting red lighted or I'm worried it's going to be defunded. I can't do anything. And then when I, you know, in coaching sessions or conversations, well, what are you doing instead? All I'm doing is sitting around and talking to my core team a lot. All I do is keep having the same meeting with the same people over and over and over again. And they tell me, well, let's meet again in a few weeks. And what I'd humbly offer to you all who may be feeling discouraged, what I'd like to encourage you as, is this being a season of rest, where you're able to refine the relationships, relationships. even with the people mm -hmm. that you feel are blocking your path, that are sending you to yet another meeting where nothing's going to happen. An enormous amount of stuff is happening where you're building trust and you're building relationships with those people. Because when we worked with other organizations, maybe before this season of rest, before this area of 
what is often being called DEI fatigue, when there was lots of DEI vigor and excitement, people were doing lots of plans, moving too fast without making the relationships and maybe are grinding to a halt some now because like, oh yeah, this got approved, this got approved, we got budget for that, we got approval for that, we're implementing this program, but we haven't talked to the people who are going to be implementing it or supporting it. And now it's grinding to a halt. So again, to encourage you all during a time of maybe discouragement and maybe trying to find some silver lining as seeing this shifting of the seasons, the season of maybe imposed and what we might see as undesirable rest as an opportunity to increase relationship. You know, I think that was kind of like a lesson that I learned, at least through the pandemic, because I am a very big relationship person. If I could come through your computer screen or your radio or however you're listening to this right now and give you like a high five, that would just do it. make my day, just right? Like I am, I'm very relationship driven. I'm very like people driven. I just like to be physically in community with people. And so during the pandemic, I think one of the things that struck me was like, oh my gosh, this is a time that has been imposed on me. Not the same as what's happening now, but it was the same kind of like feeling. You didn't of seek it out. Yeah, really. yeah, it, it, it happened. And I have to do things differently. Yeah. Right. I understand that I'm very passionate about building relationships and being in physical proximity, but I know that that's not what I can do. I can't do it that way right now. So now is a good time for me to actually learn new things, yeah. right? Learn new, new ways. So I think there's a lot in building relationship and really investing that time and that energy because I don't know about you all, but I actually got to know people, people that I thought I knew really well. I got to know them so much better during the pandemic because it changed the dynamic, right? I couldn't just rely on being physically proximity to people in my family or to my friends or to my colleagues. I had to really like, no, we're going to schedule this time. We're going to sit together. We're going to laugh about whatever's happening in my background right now. We're going to write like all of a sudden those relationships hit a new level. I didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. Right. I, we were able to level up. But the other thing that it did during that time was it really gave me the opportunity to do some self-reflection on some things that maybe I was just taking for granted. Yeah. You know, like if you're used to, I submit the budget, somebody looks at it, maybe I have to change one or two things and now it's it. Now all of a sudden it's like, wow, every single thing I have to come back to and I have to like, you know, justify everything or I have to have an answer for everything. That could seem really, really hard. And it is. It's hard. But it also is an opportunity for us to flip and be like, you know what? I'm glad that we're having this more closer look at what my budget is and closer look at, because what this is going to do is allow me to be better at financial forecasting. It's going to allow me to really shore up my skills and how I'm determining and deciding and articulating what return on investment is, right? It's going to give me a whole new set of vocabulary. You know, it's a lot about mindset, but how do we use this as a time for restoration? How do we use this as a time, as a gift, not as something that we're feeling like, I have to do this, but like, wow, I get to do this. I get to slow down a little bit. I get to talk to more people. I get to craft my skills a little bit stronger. And I'm making my face up like this because <laughs> I'm reluctantly reminded that you said I get to know people and I get to slow down and I get to understand people and I get to reframe the situation. I think at this stage, too, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm challenged now and I'm seeing the opportunity to reframe, quote unquote, opponents. Mm. You know, we're talking about the metaphor of natural cycles and seasons of change, but it's also important to note that a lot of the things that factors that people talk to us about for DI fatigue isn't 
natural. Just it happens. It's no, it seems like it's socially motivated forces by coordinated and intentional opposition to this work. But I think it's important. These moments of really humbling to me and inspiring graciousness is when I work with people and say, you know, but now it gives me an opportunity because that project has been halted. It's been kind of put on the back burner. Now I have to listen to the folks that I think are my opponents and try to understand mm. and create common ground there. And I was working with one person. They said, you know what? I was humming along very quickly, but now this slowdown, I was really upset about it. I was really angry. I saw this opposition as outright wrong. And they said, you know, I still see a lot of points where I disagree, but now I'm reframing it as an opportunity to learn with and to create a culture of inclusion inclusively, mm. which is really difficult. And I say that like, I am not on a high horse here because that one hurt me <laughs> as much as <laughs> Because it's raised, oh, this is how you create inclusivity. These are the people you make inclusivity for. And anybody who stands in the way is exclusionary. And what's very difficult and maybe is a rare gift during this time for some of you to be able to slow down is to try and find the people that you think are opponents, are potential proponents. What are the things that they value and what are they really saying? And how can you reach some genuine understanding? Because no one wants to be cut out. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to be seen. Yeah. And so how can we practice what we preach and how can we create cultures of inclusion and do it more inclusively so that even people who think that, hey, you're doing this thing wrong, this DEI stuff, I'm causing you fatigue because I'm slowing you down because I think this DEI stuff is wrong. How can we meet them and speak the language that they're speaking so they understand that this is even for them? How might we have to modify things so they feel included in our activities of inclusion? I don't know what that looks like. It's different for all of you. It's really hard. Yeah. But I think it's a way that I have made peace with what I have felt as fatigue during an, a season of slowdown and what I perceive as opposition as a gift of a seasonal change that invites rest and reflection and restoration. Okay. See what I'm saying? mornings with Justin or afternoons or evenings, wherever, whenever you're, you're listening to this. But yeah, you know, I, I don't want to assume that this is, or I, neither one of us, I think is trying to say that this is easy. No. Also not trying to say in any way, shape or form that your feelings aren't valid. Yeah. They're, no. they're hundred percent valid. I'm feeling it too, but also just trying to recognize that we have a lot of power. And when we aren't aware of that power or when we aren't actually trying to understand that power, we're giving it away, right? We're giving up on it. That's what it just reminded me of is that having moments of rest, having moments where I'm focusing on relationships, having moments where I'm trying to understand people who might, who I might perceive as currently opponents, right? Uh, building up new skills, that all of those things, if I give myself a little bit of time to be angry or sad or whatever those feelings are, but then if I can move past it, and I can see those things as opportunities and gifts, that's where I reclaim my power, right? That's where I can actually continue, even in these rainy seasons, to have a very, very strong impact. So we're so glad that you tuned into this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact Podcast. And we need more people like you to help us uplift the impact. In order for us to be able to do that, we have to make sure that we are sharing. Share, 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 friends. I mean, you got... 
more time now, right, in the season. So share this episode. Please comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn because we spend a lot of time on LinkedIn learning, hopefully sharing information that is helpful to all of you. You can find us at Uplifting Impact on LinkedIn or Justin Ponder or Deanna Singh. And until next week, friends, keep on uplifting the impact. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.